I heard that. Are we back? What? Are we there? Shoot, man. How's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Who is your therapist? I'm your host, Ari Shapiro. It's been uh, it's been a while. How's everyone doing out there? Do, do I even know what to say anymore? No? Is, is anyone even listening to this? <laughs> I have no clue. But we're, uh, we're back, a little bit later than, than I had hoped. Work has never been busier, thankfully. I've been happy working online. Not enjoying the online format for the podcast, though. I think I miss the intimacy of the connection, and um, <clears throat> I don't think I've found my stride. I think I often end up yelling by mistake. And then the editing part just feels like more of a nightmare in my perfectionist brain. Just more variables to consider. But I got a, a, a brief wave of inspiration today. And I can't guarantee any consistency right now in putting out episodes, which I hate. But uh, there is a lot of great content to put out. Uh, my guest today is Alex Daros. Alex and I had a, a really nice chat. Let me, I'll tell you a little bit about him and the and a little bit about the conversation we got into. So Alex is a, a licensed psychologist at CBT Associates in Toronto, uh, but also a postdoctoral researcher uh, and a research fellow at CAMH. Uh, part of his current research, his clinical work, it involves incorporating technology into practice and delivering digital formats of therapy online. So, I mean, it almost sounds like he was kind of made for, for this new online work environment that, that therapists and helping professionals find themselves in right now. Um, of course, he still provides, well, it says in-person therapy. I don't know if he would say that now. I don't know what he's doing now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they're doing some in-person and, and online stuff. Personally, you know, I went back whenever it was like acceptable to do it. Maybe, I don't know if it was the end of June or if it was sometime in July, just to test it out, just to test out the in-person stuff again. And I'm sitting there in my mask and my face shield, and the guy's sitting there in his mask, and I really didn't like it. It was cumbersome and annoying, and also because I share like that office space, then I'm like totally hypervigilant about like, okay, what stuff did I touch? What stuff did he touch? What stuff do I have to wipe down and disinfect? And the whole time we're talking, this is going through my head, and I'm like, well, I, I can't concentrate uh, to, the, to the full extent that I would like to, that I would like to offer somebody in that situation. And so I thought, you know what, if I have an opportunity to do this work, hopefully, I think just as effectively online, and I don't have to sit there stressing about what to clean and like, uh, you know, worrying about adjusting this mask over my face, then... That's what feels good right now. What can I say? Um, my conversation with Alex, we get into uh, relationships and dating stuff. 
And I just recently met someone. And just to clarify, we haven't actually met, but it's got those those good feelings and my little anxious pee of a brain has just been going a bit spinal tap at times with the anxiety <laughs> as, as it happens to do with me. And uh, I had to laugh the other day. My friend Daniel texted me, Daniel Farb, who was previously on this show, and he was asking me, how are things going? And I said, well, I really like someone and she likes me back, so I've been better. <laughs> to, to me, it, was, it just kind of encapsulated a bit of the anxiety humor there. Not that you guys necessarily give a crap, <laughs> but maybe some of you can relate. Um, I think it's funny also that this episode was recorded literally two days before everything shut down for the first time. And so we're making all these great predictions about what 2020 is going to mean for us, identity-wise and stuff. And it's just so funny to think back to a time when we we're all a bit more flippant and carefree and ignorant and maybe some of you still are, and that's cool. I think I think it's good to a certain extent. I'm trying to find my balance between that and like not stepping outside of my home for five days straight. I like <laughs> I like it in here. <laughs> but you know what I like even more? This is sharing this conversation with you. So I'm gonna get into it. Here's me and Alex Daros. So you were thinking a, a bit about that path to psychology yeah. on the way here or, or prior to this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what you came up with. Well... Because I know you have a bunch of roles, right? You're a psychologist, you're a researcher, you're a professor. Well, I, I, I teach sometimes. I'm not, I'm not a full... Pro, I'm, not a prof, I'm not on the staff yet kind okay. of thing. I okay. only teach like, um, you know, the odd course that comes up, which just happens to be abnormal psych because they don't have anyone to teach it. Okay. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> great for me. Um, well, well, actually, I, I actually found like uh, a couple student reviews online. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. I hope they're okay. <laughs> well, you know, like w one person w was saying that they appreciated so much the fact that you you were able to allow yourself to go to a place of sharing personal uh, examples or, or so, something to you know as an adjunct to the curriculum or the lesson. In terms of like teaching, I feel like students like you think about the teachers that you liked, right? They were just like there and in it and like experiential. I think like yeah. and you know you you look at those ones that you hated and they were like cold and distant, right? Hundred like, percent. So I try to be like just real with them, and it's like look. You can diagnose all you want, but like <laughs> at the end of the course, at the end of the intro to psych, uh, intro to abnormal, I was like, um, is anyone more confused? <laughs> because I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if I took that course in university or not. And I probably did. That, that was probably the one where like at least half the class walked away from it thinking that they had everything that you talked about. Yeah, in the ba class. yeah basically, right? Yeah. yeah. All the disorders, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but uh, getting to, yeah, but the path to becoming a psychologist yeah like honestly like you think about it it's it's a very long process like i mean uh, and you were saying too like compared to like social workers or like um um psych the master level psychotherapist yeah like the phd route is like really tough and like i think i can and i can speak a little bit more about this if you want like um you there's a, there's a certain people that have to there's certain people that do this right and i yeah. think like most of us think about quitting like like halfway through, right? Okay. And also like a lot of the PhDs in Canada are, PhD programs are all research-based. So it's like 
on top of the clinical work, you also have all this research stuff to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, you would be, you would have to have, a, you'd have to juggle it so much. Yeah. You'd have to juggle because yeah. you'd have a research project and you know, you'd have two or three days of clinical work and right. you're still learning the clinical stuff. Right. And then you take, you go back to your research project and it's like, you have two or three days to do the research and then you're like kind of just shuffling back and forth for like two years. Okay. <laughs> right. So, so you, would it be fair to say that, that your experience was there was very little emphasis on the clinical stuff? Well, we because that's how it was for social work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, they're they're sort of churning out grads, um, and, and this is this is a way generalization here that I'm about to make, but uh, that that most of them have no idea what they're doing in clinical respects, right? And and so if they want to pursue that path, it it has to be everything after they graduate in terms of seeking it out themselves. Yeah, totally. And I think that's why we have like we have our own supervised practice which you know i just finished oh, that was like another 1500 hours right did you of, finish that recently yeah i finished that in december congratulations well so, that sounds big yeah it was a long it was a really tough time like even after the phd you yeah. go through this whole like professional you know licensing standard stuff and it's like another 1500 hours of your life spent like trying to meet obligations for the college and stuff like that so you know so, so <laughs> It feels so like can I? It feels so nice to be done all the requirements and yeah. to have a full license that I don't have to be like constantly like, you know, like where are you at now? Like what? what how, how's school going for you? Right? Like, it's like yes, yeah, so that's uh, yeah, it's done. You know, this this is a little bit related, but uh, a little off topic too. Uh, someone was telling me you know, we're talking about sort of how we, we sort of jump into this process, right? And it's, it's, it takes a while to get there. But in the way, it, it sort of has, it, it shapes you in a certain way too and influences you in other ways. And so somebody I was talking to a couple of weeks ago and she said to me, I think she said, you seem like a, a girl's guy. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that for a second. I thought, you know, for the last 20 years, right, I jumped into uh, the School of Social Work and probably, I think at that time, I was one of like four men mm. out of a program of like 150 people. Oh, wow. And, and that's kind of how it's been now for the last 20 years, because social work itself is a very female-dominated profession. Yeah. And so I think at this point, I've just been around way more women than men on a consistent basis. I think, I, I think that's become more my comfort zone. Oh, totally. Right? For me, Do too. Do you relate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To the point where some... Do you see, like, do you get a lot of men referrals because you're a man? Yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like having, I've like had a hard time, like, with a lot of men because Isn't that I'm just funny? like, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. We're socialized in this sort of female dominated world. Okay. Not that that's a bad thing. I think that helps us. Sure. But then, like, not a lot of men have done that. Right. So when we get some of those referrals, it's like, oh boy. Okay. And like the, you know, the, the experience. I never thought of it from that way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like the experience of being in the room with another man who just hasn't, you know, uh, you know, maybe a heterosexual man who hasn't like dealt with like some of those, you know, prevailing ideas about sexism and stuff like that is, sure. is tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having this, I'm having this thought of like one guy that I've, I've worked with who, for him, as far as like safe emotions to express, it was like anger, anger, and anger. Right. And everyone, everything got filtered through that. Yeah. And so to me, I, I can work with that. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Yeah. I don't relate. So I, I, I wasn't sure if it was similar in, in this psycho, like the psychological path or 
Oh, for yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, even where I'm practicing now, it's like, I think I'm one of only four guys and we have four locations. And so I'm really, so I'm getting a lot of, like I get, it was different to like, I used to work in university centers and counseling. Um, I used to work in a hospital, like for my practicum and like internship and like a lot of the clients I would get were female. Okay. And so jumping into this new world where I would, you know, a lot of men request men, um, you know, and they would, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot different, like from going from 80% women to 80% men, basically. Oh, yeah. Wow. So it was, that was uh, something I brought up a, a number of times in supervision. Like, how do you like work with these men who just like can't feel anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know a little bit more like specific, like what, what were some of the things that were coming up? Um, like some of the challenging parts for you to grow with. I think I felt like frustrated because, you know, there's also less homework compliance you probably found, you know, there's less... Um, able, they're less able to sort of, well, at least some of the people that I worked with were like less able to sort of like connect those thoughts with the emotions and get them to do something that, oh, like, you know, just try it. Like, I want you to just test this assumption about your behavior. Right. Yeah, and yeah. like, so it just, they tended to, they tend to be tougher for me. And I, I'm not sure how to motivate them or to try something uh, new. Right. While also appreciating like that it might be really tough for them. Right. Maybe it's a little bit of like, man, you, you should be able to man up, but I think that's like, that's the, <laughs> that, that's a problem for me, right? If I just expect them to just snap out of it. <laughs> Who should man up? The, the they, client, they yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that's, that's like a societal thing. Which I've yeah. always hated that expression too. Yeah. That like, take it like a man or like, yeah. oh, that always gave me the creeps. Yeah, I would never say something like that. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but still, we're not immune to having these like thoughts pop in every now and then. No, for sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tended to get more frustrated with some of the clients who, you know, just weren't really in it, right. you know, like they right, weren't right. like, do you, and I, you know, kind of read some resources on that to sort of help me get more comfortable with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Alex, I, I know we kind of like just kind of jumped into it. We did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we, we certainly don't have to like keep up any kind of pace or anything like that. We can sort of fill this out. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, where did you grow up? Uh, like where where we like I grew up here. I I yeah. was we used to in live in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we used to live near Humber College. Okay, and then we moved up to Woodbridge. Okay, uh, and so it was pretty rural, pretty suburban, right? I I didn't really have a lot of f- close friends, I would say. Okay, and so I kind of threw myself into like work. Yeah, I've kind of always I kind of felt like I never. I had a hard time making friends and fitting in like, okay. yeah. And like, I kind of moved to Woodbridge at an odd time. So I was like, I was like 13 when I moved Okay, and like, I literally, that's, that's a tough time to move. I think. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I, you know, and it was such a distance that I couldn't, I didn't really, I couldn't really see other, my old friends from the old school. Um, so that was tough. And I think after the first year of like grade seven, I was like, well, I don't, what am I going to do all summer? And I just happened to like walk into this ice cream store and it was kind of new and it was just starting up. And I just like, Hey, like, do you guys need help or something? Like, I'll just help. <laughs> I'll just like do something. And and they said, yeah. So like, you know, you know, since then they've kind of been on this like continued journey of like working. And, um, I, I think I still like have trouble like fitting in and like, yeah. you know, having that sense of like, uh, who's my friend group and, you know, so, but right. So I'm curious to know how how some of those those formative years influenced some of 
your interests, some of your, the path that you took. Like, I'm also thinking, by the way, like I moved or my family moved when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And that was a heck of a, a tough time to move. We, we moved from North York to Thornhill. Okay. Again, it was not super far away, but far enough that it was hard to maintain contact with my old friends. And yeah, man, like that, that just felt like the beginning of a really tough time in my life. So I'm curious to know for you, how you relate or how you saw, saw that. No, I think I, I think I agree. I mean, that was a, that was a tough first year. Uh, I would try to be a joker. I, I still use humor as a coping strategy, <laughs> but, um, Same. that was a, that was a tough year. Like you go into a school where like kids have been friends for like, you know, seven years, right, right. Right. Already like since JK. Right. And I'm like just coming in and trying to like make friends and, you know, trying to be myself, you know, it, it sort of, it sort of continued into high school. Yeah. Uh, I went to a private school, yeah. but, it, but it was an all, all boys private school kind of didn't really fit in there either because it was very sports dominated. Yeah. So a lot of people played hockey. A lot of people played sports. I tried to play like on a team. I got, like I didn't make the cut. Okay. <laughs> so that that sucked. Uh, I took up art. Okay. And I was playing piano oh, as good well. For you. Yeah, like on the side. So that I think I became more art artistically inclined, and and gotcha. and that got, that got the out that gave me an outlet in a way. So, so for me, it was the other way. Uh, no, no, no. Well, yeah. So there's a similarity. I'm having this memory of coming into grade seven, right? And, and up until grade six, I had the same group of friends since kindergarten. And we were uh, like, I, I played music growing up, mm-hmm. but we were a very sports based group. This is how we, we knew each other. This is how we spent our time. And that's what I knew. And so even aesthetically, like nobody was, you know, nobody gave a shit about like how you looked and what you wore. It was yeah. just. And so I remember getting into this new school in grade seven. And, and within the first week or two, somebody said to me just in passing, like, Hey man, like how come you never wear jeans? Mm. And it never occurred to me at that point to wear jeans. I don't even think I it was on my radar what the hell they even were. Right. Yeah. And I remember going like feeling so embarrassed and going home that night and being like, Mom, like being angry. Oh like, yeah. Why did it why haven't you never got me jeans? <laughs> and then it's just it, my whole world like turned upside down. And then all of a sudden, like yeah. these guys listened to like music and didn't play sports. They were like listening to Guns N' Roses and nirvana and alice in chains and it was just like a whole yeah other world so it was like kind of like yeah like confronting like something that you had never been in uh, like had to do before because it was so natural before that right yeah Yeah. exactly so that sort of that definitely set me on a different trajectory yeah and i think part of what maybe made it harder was like just like as a family it was we never really had our emotions on our sleeve Oh no. So like we just never really like talked about like oh like you know why are you upset or like you know like tell me how you feel about this right like or like what what's your what's your thoughts on this like okay. you know we never had those thoughtful emotional provoking discussions right. So what did that mean for you then? You carry it all on your own right. <laughs> and sounds, so all through high, sounds heavy. Yeah, all through high school it's like high school kind of sucked for me. Oh, me too. And so but like, God forbid, I told that to anyone, like you know, at home. <laughs> <laughs> what would the response likely be? Well, I don't, I don't know. I guess it would have been like, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll, yeah. you'll be okay, you know, kind of thing. And and uh, you know, uh, yeah, like you'll get through it, kind of thing. 
aside from the, some of the, the stuff that I'd written down, I'm curious to know more about your your personal story around vulnerability, around your own sort of experiential sort of mental health journey. Mm-hmm. You mentioned talking a little bit on this other podcast about shame and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm curious to know, I don't know where it makes sense to sort of as a jumping off point, but I'm curious to know about some of that story of your life. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, perhaps a jumping off point is, you know, going back to high school because I feel like, Isn't it for most people? (laughs) Well, because all the time that I was there, I was also, you know, the struggling to fit in and and like all that I think was also motivated by the fact that, you know, I am a gay person. And I think I went to an all boys school where that was not something you talked about. And so that was I I didn't I didn't I almost like suppressed it. Okay. I didn't know. I, I didn't know anything until like after. I had gone through university. I like I came out at twenty five to friends and some family, and so I did not even put the connect like thoughts together. Meaning, like that 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 thought as far as suppressing it was so far yeah it's in like the I, background. Well, like it was like a I can't this possibly this can't be me like you know and like I was having even like it was an all boys school. So there was some people obviously I was attracted to there, but I was just like, Oh, this is just normal. I'm around guys all day. Like, you know, coming from a very heteronormative kind of growing up place, like, you know, kind of Italian background, right? Like we don't talk about those things. And so it never really like, you know, I I never really pieced it together because I just maybe didn't have the language or like the contextual, like information that I needed to say like, Oh, like, you know, this is, this is actually okay, but also like this is, it just means that you're attracted to the men, right? Right. Yeah. And you know, it was a Catholic all boys school, so they didn't really talk about that at sure. all, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm curious for you, was would, did that make things extra confusing, or was it just so like pushed to the background that it, it was like not really? Well, uh, I think it it really did make things really confusing. I think it did have an effect on me. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I didn't really enjoy high school. Undergrad was also pretty tough. I was a commuter student. I think there was like some mood stuff going on. I, I never like had it so bad that I couldn't get out of bed or anything like that. Right, or okay. like, so I always, I always performed, but you know, even that, like we, we, we know people who are like performers, but like, you know, still Absolutely. affected, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to cope, right? Just keep pushing through and keep achieving and yeah. Right. It's it's basically like just dis, like distraction to the to the yeah. highest degree. It's like, well, just, you know, just keep focused on what you need to do. Yeah. And like for me, it was like making money and like performing at school. Sure. And, and, and when I say great way to cope, I don't mean it, it's not without its consequences. Yeah. So but, it, but sometimes for a lot of people, it's a great way to get through something temporarily. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. I yeah. like almost subconsciously like just pushed it out of my mind like you know I'll deal with it later I'll deal with it later and then it sort of hit me around 24 25 like because I was trying to date women I I I really tried to go on like many dates and everything and I was just like not feeling anything yeah and it was like such a horrible feeling it's like what's wrong with me almost like uh yeah hate that (laughs) and i started to think well like maybe i should explore things and like you know that turned into like you know exploring my sexuality with men and now you know i think now that i have sort of not had to it just feels more natural 
Mm -hmm. right? Because like it was such an effort to like go on those dates and then like just have a conversation and then just like the disappointment when like I just don't even feel like initiating another date or like I don't even initiate anything physical. Like it just didn't, you know, I, I mean, I tried to see what it would feel like, but it didn't it didn't do anything either. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, this might be jumping a bit, but I'm curious to ask around the time when you were 24, 25, or maybe even prior to that, was there uh, someone or something that, that helped sort of ease your mind in terms of, of exploring that, that part of yourself and I think feeling it, more comfortable with that? I don't think there was one thing. Um, I think it was like a collection of like, some of the media, like, uh, you know, I'm thinking of like the Ellen, Ellen yeah. show, obviously. And part of me always connected to those stories about coming out. And I think eventually like enough of those like put together, um, you know, kind of, kind of helped me form that identity. I think I also had like, I had a, I had certain friends in high school, um, that I would consider my, my closest friends in high school. And it was only about six or seven of us. Mm -hmm a lot of them actually ended up coming out as gay and we never talked about that in high school. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like you wow. didn't even know, a, you didn't even know a, a part of them and you like, I hung out with them like for most of grade 11 and grade 12. Yeah. Those were my only friends that I wanted to see. And we never knew that part of each other. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. But I think it was the context in which we were found. Like, in a school where, you know, and this is not that long ago. I think it's great. I think it's much, uh, I think things have much improved now. Yeah. But like at that time, it's like to do that or to be obvious about your sexuality was not a, a very socially good thing. Right. Right. You'd be ostracized. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so for me, I'm, I'm connecting to the part, like I, I can't relate to that experience specifically, sure. but I can certainly relate to the experience of, of feeling like a part of myself is, is not welcomed mm -hmm. or, or that the, there's a part of who I am that I want to share with people that mean a lot to me, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason can't. And that, that feels awful. Yeah. And I think that's where the, you know, you start to conceal and hide and this is where the shame just builds. Right. Mm. And then people do things with that shame, right. That are helping to regulate it, but it's obviously sometimes it's not healthy. Right. Well, the pat, like the, the cyclical patterns that, that people can get in. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think it did like when I, when I first kind of came to realize that was kind of a really difficult year, I think. Yeah. I still made it through. But there were times where I was like, wow, like, this is huge. Like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to get through this? So what was some of those first steps like in terms of how to get through this? I don't know. Like, I think it was, I think I eventually, after a few months of realizing, I, I also found someone who I really liked and I started a relationship with that person and that kind of solidified my identity at that point. And okay. I was like, well, let's tell people about it, right? Like, let's tell our friends yeah. and see what they think. And obviously, all everybody that I came out to was very supportive and ha and like happy for me. And you know, most of them had met my boyfriend at the time, so that was really a good validating experience, right? That's, yeah. Like that's the best cure for the shame is like just being accepted and validated for like sure. you know what you are. Yeah. Sure. I'm curious to ask just because, you know, sometimes my, my mind. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> what was, uh, what was some of the, the, the oddest or weirdest responses that you got in relation to that? 
it, it, the worst one was my mom. Yeah. And that was really hard. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so you went there anyway. Eh? <laughs> uh, everything was fine until like I had to confront the fact that I might have to tell my parents at some point. That sounds like a big like gulp. It was. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It, it was. I did not expect the reaction that she had it. And, um, you know, we're not really like religious or anything, but she sort of threw some like religious stuff at me and like, um, Ouch. yeah, it was, it was not, it was, uh, it, and it's, it wasn't, it wasn't a great like setup. It sort of just came out and it, you know, like it's, she, she was, I think more shocked or, you know, I don't think it was, you know, she eventually kind of came to terms with it a little bit more, but it's just been, kind of hard even since then to kind of talk about it with them so yeah yeah, yeah. well that doesn't sound funny at all <laughs> <laughs> no. no um i don't think i had any like cool like oh we always knew anyway right like like n- nothing that surprised you in terms of like <laughs> or or left you thinking oh that seemed like kind of a weird thing to say no i th- <laughs> i think i did that to somebody once like one of the friends from high school eventually did uh say something to me and i think i just didn't know what to say and i think i said well like you know i i i I don't i don't even remember but i think it was a horrible i don't think it was a very good thing to say but um so curious what it might have been i think i said like well i always thought it was okay and like you know people people develop it over time i don't even know what i said it was like so weird but since then you know that was a long time ago. I didn't really understand. I don't think I had the words to just to even support someone who even was like, you know, could come out to me. Like, I, I yeah, I yeah. don't think I had the concept and I consequence of like not really learning that in school and like, you know, not having that from the family side either. Right. Yeah. Talk about like kind of figuring it out on your own. Yeah. I guess I've always been experiential. In that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just had a really interesting thought because I think we, I think people that enter this field, I yeah. think like to f- so focus on other people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So then when it comes, so part of the reason for like wanting to do some of these things is that I've pushed away like a lot of, like since 25, I haven't really made like a lot of, like I've made, I've had relationships and things like that. And like, but I haven't really progressed on uh, the family angle. Okay. And so, I think it's really starting to come back now because, and it hit me in the face <laughs> because I've been so invested on like psychology and like uh, helping other people doing my research that can hopefully be translated into practice. I've totally um, neglected like parts of myself that I needed to like use as part, like, you know, that can be very therapeutic to know right. about. Right? right. Like, so I think lately it's been, I think I need, I think I have some work to do kind of thing. Right. <laughs> I'm appreciating, but I'm also, I'm, I'm enjoying how that fits with some of your, your story, right. Through high school and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, let, as long as I'm doing this, I don't have to think so much about this. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, like, I mean, I, I think all of us, I'm a true believer that all of us can benefit from therapy. I've done my, I, I had, I did some work recently too, because of the same, the same reason I was like sort of confronted with, a lot of relationship difficulties lately yeah. and like dating as someone who's now a psychologist is finding it really difficult and like um, trying to, I guess, move, move with my emotional maturity into something that's more like going to be longstanding. Sure. But the, the dating, 
you know, is, is really hard. It, it's harder, you know, that I only have a couple of different options. Cause like even just being a gay man, it's harder to, you know, find those that, you know, connect with people that are like sort of, I'm attracted to and like, you know, are, are more stable now. So like things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm also a little shy and, uh, it's been, it's not easy for me to go up to somebody and like, you know, on, on church street and say, Hey, like, you know, like, and strike up a conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, I've done that a little bit more recently just to sort of break out of that shell a little bit more. But I think, I think some of the shame is actually still there holding me back. Right. Uh, okay. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Because I'm not completely out to like like uh, a lot of family members and things like that. So like, yeah, like I think there's this. It's sort of like a little bit of a cycle. Like breaking down those barriers, I think, will help me be more comfortable and completely, um, like completely okay with this. Like in terms of like connecting and and dating someone. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So, so some of that shyness I definitely relate to also. Okay. Do you, do you have any, uh, any stories around that? I'm usually, I'm, I'm okay. One-on-one. Okay. okay. I'm okay in small groups, but like if it's a big, big gathering and like, um, you know, I might see someone across the room, like it's really hard for me to take that step. I don't know what that is. Like, is that fear of rejection? I guess. Maybe. (laughs) Fear of making a fool of myself. (laughs) I mean, I, I've been there, right? Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Probably something like that. Yeah. I don't know what it is about the big crowds, but if if I set up something to go one-on-one, much more comfortable. And, sure. And I can open up just as I'm opening up with you, sure. I think. I, I, I definitely um, put my heart on my sleeve when I'm one-on-one yeah. with somebody, I think. Yeah. So, so you just, uh, this memory just came back to my head that I hadn't thought about in years. My comfort zone was like, let me just stand in the corner and let's see if someone comes to me. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember one time, it was one of the only times I've done the opposite of that. Okay. And I remember being at uh, the Opera House in Toronto, waiting like waiting for some band to come on. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and so I'm just kind of standing with a couple of friends and I see this person across the room that I, I from where I was standing, that she looked really attractive. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what compelled me to just decide, okay, I'm going to do the opposite of what I would normally do and approach her and and try to start a conversation. So I did. And as my first kind of introduction, I held out my hand to shake her hand and introduce myself. And she just stood there staring at me. And uh, really awkward, Mm -hmm. really awkward for a minute. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Why is she not putting her hand back out to shake my hand? And then very like, hesitantly brings up her hand and i see she only has like one and a half fingers and (laughs) so not expected but like oh that's why i did not expect you to go in that direction no (laughs) but and we 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 had a bit of a conversation nonetheless but it just it (laughs) went nowhere and i went back afterwards it was like wow that was not what i was expecting yeah i can imagine like oh i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) or but like I thought you were going to say like the social cues of the situation. Like it's, it's kind of hard. Like sometimes it's like, you know, you don't, some people are really guarded now. I think in these social situations, it's like, no, I'm not here to pick up anybody. No, I'm not here to like, you know, meet anybody. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of us have our guards up now. And I think that's, I think that's like probably part of the reason why I'm a little like, you know, just you'll get shrugged off so easily. And it's like, you know, I just wanted to have a, I just wanted to have a conversation. Yes, but you're 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 going to have that conversation because you're attracted. 
but um, yeah, I think people's defenses are really up, and, sure. and it's hard to it's hard to even just break into that. And if they're with a group of people, it's hard to even break into that group. Sure. And like you know, so totally, Absolutely. yeah. I'm kind of envious of those people who've always been so sure about like their partner and like have this like long-standing relationship. I mean, yeah, I've just never had anything so certain. Right. Like right. Uh, maybe that speaks to insecurity or like ambivalence. Well, I, I get I, I get contemptuous sometimes, or at least I have in the past where it's like, why is it so easy for you? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, but conversely, like what's wrong with me? Yeah. I think, and I think that's the, that's the exact flip side of it. It's like, why can't I, why can't I do this? And like, yeah. uh, and I think this is part of my struggle over the past two years since, uh, I moved around a bit. So that also made it hard. Okay. And then when I came back, I was like, you know, just trying to get a feel for the scene again and, and tried to explore different relationships, which I did, but they didn't work out. And that also made me kind of like down. Cause I feel like I'm in a age now where I need to like maybe be more emotionally mature and like, yeah. I can definitely say that in the last year, year and a half, I've come to realize and, and understand certain um, tendencies, patterns, proclivities of just like maybe some unhelpful ways that like my mindset can get. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been good to recognize, but it's like, holy shit, has this been kind of like working in the background all these years? I think I had the same kind of realizations. I yeah. was like, what is it that is making it so much harder now than my first experience, which was like really great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like two and a half years. Um, it, it sort of fell apart after the two year mark, but you know, um, but since then it's sort of never really felt the same. Yeah. And I, and I know there's like, you know, the first, the first relationship that you have is always like, you know, 10, you know, it's 10 times better. Like it feels, it's a different thing. Um, I've had relationships since then where I felt very connected to the person, but there's always been something that has kept me from like committing or like, um, let's take this for like, you know, like there's something that gets in the way and I've sort of like trying really attentive to that this year and trying to fix that because I yeah. feel like it's a, it's a barrier. Yeah. yeah. We've got such interesting things that we deal with as human, as human beings. Yeah. Right. These, these responses and these proclivities and yeah. But I mean, despite, but I mean, even with all that, like I, I think this past year has been really past a year and a half, I would say, since I got back to the city was, has been just like almost transformative in a way, like yeah. just really coming into my own. And I think the longing for a relationship is healthy. Okay. And I think that's, you know, I'm trying to do better in terms of achieve, like the ways of achieving that. I don't know what happened in between, but I think I, <laughs> after the first, after the first one, it just seemed I, maybe I closed off again for some reason. But now I'm trying to healthily, you know, kind of en encompass myself. And, and I think I've, you know, uh, worked on my identity and kind of been <laughs> more accepting and more encompassing of like who I am and sure. what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I, I think there's some similar elements here. Yeah. Both of us. Yeah. I feel it. I feel yeah. it. Yeah. I, and I appreciate the, you know, all the, the things that you've told, told me too. Because, yeah. yeah. Well, also, like I, I think about my first relationship in a similar way. And then after, like, it was like a three and a half year relationship. And then after that, it was like, what happened? It was almost like some something shifted and there was like kind of this meandering path to finally start to feel like I'm getting back yeah. to it a bit, whatever that means. Yeah. But yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So so maybe as as a point of, of winding down a little bit yeah. or getting to that place a little bit, I want to ask in this past year, what has been one of the best things uh, or, or one of the things that you're most proud of? Let me think. Uh... And, and you can think about that either... Um, around what we've been talking about, emotionally speaking, sort of emotional, spiritual, physical growth in that sense, or, or just generally speaking? In terms of proud, I, I think I've, 2019 was like a year of like professional identity. Okay. And I think 2020 might be, hopefully, now that some of these things, and now that some of these professional obligations have re- resolved is like more about uh, personal, like kind of coming into my personal identity again. And part of maybe that's the one milestone has been, you know, coming on two shows and like trying to, to attack some of the shame that's so, still there. Yeah. 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 So I think that that is some of it, because I, I know at the beginning you touched on like now is kind of coming into a period of time where it's it's starting to think about what what comes next. Yeah. And what are the next steps? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good for you. I, I hope that that journey continues taking you in a place that feels good or, or ends up in a good place. Yeah. And I think I. I need to I need to be pushed a little bit because of our t- I, I tendency to focus on others, right? Sure. Focus on our clients and focus on our day jobs, right? Yeah. You put our we put ourselves to the side, so I think I need maybe I should do this and like tell five people it's like if I <laughs> if I don't do this, right? Tell, you better kick me. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Alex, this is this has been great. Yeah, this has been a very lovely conversation. Yeah. Thank you for coming and, and for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for hosting me here. Thank you. Awesome. Ah, yes. Well, it's that time of the show again. <laughs> that was me talking with Alice. Al- <laughs> that was me talking with Alex Deros. I love hearing us talk about what 2020 might bring. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> again, you can connect with him online at CBT Associates in Toronto. You can connect with me online at intunecounseling.com or shoot me an email here at who's your therapist at ari at witpod.com all this stuff is going to be in the episode notes uh, we will be back hopefully sooner than later but just in case if it's later than sooner I'll steal a line here from Mark Marin and just say keep doing whatever you need to do to maintain your sanity without hurting yourself or others. Winter's coming! Winter's coming! (laughs) Bye for now, folks.